art is for everybody. But here's a strange little secret. Museums aren't. In fact, they're really just meant for introverts. You see, art galleries and museums are just one great big cocktail party for introverts. Like me. I'm Christo, and this is Christo.art, a podcast about hanging out at museums and getting high on art. Well, at least looking at it. This is going to be a little bit more than just a test. I'm standing here in Ludwig, standing in front of a, an enormous portrait of Mao. And obviously, it's one of the most recognizable images. Apparently, it's modern art, but you wouldn't necessarily know that by just looking at it. It's a portrait. It's not an abstract. It actually looks like a black and white photograph, which it might even have come from. It's divided into two panels, which has made me think naturally of yin and yang. It also makes you think of Andy Warhol. Is there anything compelling about it? Not really. It's obviously paint because it's not clear. Although the way the brushstrokes are makes it look like pixels. Even if the pixels might be more horizontal and definitely not squared. So the fact that this looks like pixels made me think of Chuck Close's huge portraits, even David Hockney's photo collages, which is to say a lot of artists do this kind of thing with pixels. But the important thing is, so does it really mean anything? Well, the answer is you just never know. All you can do is to look. You make your observations. Some of these observations will spark connections, and they could lead you to discover the coherent metaphor or meaning of the work. And that just really means you've had a great conversation with the art. Of course, this is the thing that that I find fascinating about looking at work. Discovering the metaphor, discovering the coherent metaphor or the meaning. Without that, to me, it's not even art. More often than not, observations like this are just coincidental. All they end up being is kind of art historical trivia. It's stuff that sounds knowledgeable, but it really doesn't add anything of value to the conversation. It just sounds snooty in a way. So in this town, in Cologne, pixels and art have a certain coincidental meaning that maybe I had in the back of my mind. I don't know for sure right now, but it could have influenced the guy who bought this painting since... He comes from this town. So I consider it maybe hypothetically valid. So I was reminded of Gerhard Richter's pixelated stained glass window here in Cologne's big cathedral, what they call the Dome. I first came across Richter in Boston at their Institute of Contemporary Art back in 1990. And I was drawn in more by his subject matter than by anything compelling in his style. I'm not a 
huge fan of his. But he's one of the biggest deals in painting these days. And the fact that he lives here in Cologne seems to exert some kind of mysterious or maybe not so mysterious influence over the local artists. I mean, this this stained glass window thing was was huge at the time. I mean, a stained glass window of different colored pixels, very modern, very abstract. But it seems as if this style of his, and I'm, I'm not necessarily talking about the pixels, but his style in general has rubbed off on people. I think they sort of end up emulating elements of it, either consciously or unconsciously. And I suppose that everyone, artist or not, in this town or not, anybody who's heard of him, would like to have a little bit of the pixie dust from him that if it meant just a tiny fraction of his fame and financial fortune. But I was thinking more consciously of another famous artist who I much prefer and who coincidentally also lived here in Cologne, but he died about 10 years ago. His name was Zygmar Polke. Now, what's great about Polke is that I learned something absolutely cosmic from him. It was at a retrospective of his work, a huge retrospective, and it came to Chicago in 1991, in the summer of 1991. And I had one of those moments. I just had one of those moments that totally rocked my world. There was stuff that I saw in his work, being able to see a whole bunch of things together, that just blew me away. Anyway, in this particular retrospective, it wasn't the thing that was most important, but there was this thing about pixelation that he did, and it was pretty playful and pretty cool. And so what he had done was actually he put a ladder in the middle of the floor, in one of the exhibition floors, and it was just some stupid aluminum ladder. It was pretty large, though. And you'd think, all right, what the hell is this about? It's some ladder in the middle of the floor? Like, what? What's he getting at? What's the, what's the deal here? Well, there had been some issues, or there had been some, like, indications that pixelation was was something he was trying out and trying to do with some of the other work. So, okay, that's the thing. Like, you're able to follow this thread of... Mm, pixelations, pixels, pixels, pixels. They, they seem to be popping up. What's the deal? He's, he's kind of fascinated with them. And then it hit me, like, holy smokes. These spaces in the ladder, they're like pixels. They're like big physical pixels. But not only that, he's almost like inviting you, almost daring you since, okay, who knows whether it's wanted or not or allowed or not you're probably not allowed to even touch the the art but he's kind of inviting you to step into those spaces to step into the pixels to step into the work now to me that was that was that was cosmic and i, I guess that's why i got kind of i got kind of I won't say excited, but interested. I'm seeing something that looks like pixels in this guy's work here in this Mao Zedong portrait. Is there a connection or not? Is this going to lead to something really cool? Well, so I just still want to emphasize in saying this, that whatever comes to mind when you're looking at a painting or a sculpture, it's a valid thought to consider. It just may or may not lead you to any kind of satisfying conclusions. They're just intuitive ideas. And the fact that they might actually lead you somewhere, they might have something important about them, 
that's that's an integral part of the process of looking in the in the way that I do and looking that I that I think if you start looking that way and thinking that way you're going to enjoy looking so much more so I can only speak for myself but I have a sneaking suspicion that you when you're looking at work you have similar kinds of ideas you just may or may not have ever realized that they're they're important and I know for certain if I don't give myself permission to play around this way, to have these kind of silly thoughts and, and to kind of entertain these, these hypotheses, I won't have much fun looking at art. But see, if I do take that license, what happens isn't just fun then. It's actually work, a lot of hard work. But it's just the kind of work that gives me incredible satisfaction. It's the kind of stuff that, that can lead to these insights that just blow you away, blow me away. Anyway, it turns out that in, in this case, this artist was just, he wasn't, he wasn't trying to emulate Richter, and he wasn't trying to emulate Polke. He was actually trying to emulate Van Gogh. And we'll talk more about that in, in part two of this thing, but, but that's why these things, these pixels stand out the way they do, why these brushstrokes look the way they do, because he was trying to, he was trying to make them look like Van Gogh. But then, so all this talk about pixels... And that fact, and, and guess what? Even though this is some sort of some sort of revelation from an art magazine interview that he gave, we're still going to find out that guess what? It amounts to little more than trivia. Imagine that. Okay, so let's get back to looking at this thing. And I was going to say up close and personal, but uh, sounds like I had other ideas. Looking at it from a distance... It just makes you wonder, why would anybody bother to paint Mal in such an enormous manner? Even if it brings to mind the concept of him or his image overlooking, say, Tiananmen Square. So let's look at this portrait. My sense is that there is pain or there is anger. This isn't necessarily just angry art, and I'll have more to say about angry art because there's plenty of it in this museum. But the paint is kind of thick, as though it were slapped on. And it seems as if it were probably slapped on with a trowel, although that's not necessarily true. It could have been also a brush, but it has the effect since it's black and white, and or at least white and shades of gray. It has the effect of looking like plaster or stucco. Some very thick moving around. These brush strokes, as they are, or as they were, are about 14, 15 centimeters wide and at least 30 centimeters long for the most part. But the fact that they've been slapped around his face to create the light and shadow suggests as if the person holding the trowel or the brush were smacking Mao in the face. In fact, if you get close, which I like to do, unfortunately they don't have those strips on the, on the floor the way they have them upstairs. Although I suppose maybe there's a, a distance they like you to keep. That when you get down on your knees and you look at the shoulder on the one side, it looks serrated. As if it was done in a sort of painful way, you would never want to touch somebody's shoulders who had these black spikes sticking up from the, the trowel marks. Also, there's gray splattered on the white, 
It makes it look like somebody's unfinished basement. And if you look at the side of the canvas, there's nothing particularly interesting there. I do like to look at the sides, but as I said, not much interesting. Looking at it from this side though, because I don't know how long this thing is, I don't know how to measure much beyond 10 centimeters by eyeballing things, but it's a few meters long. There's still a recognizable figure that's sort of looking at you. But what's the point? What is the point of this thing? It makes you wonder if there was some kind of political statement being made or some kind of anger being expressed. Some kind of... Obviously, this is a an emotional piece when you get up close to it, not when you're further away from it so much. But up close to it, it really is a, an emotional thing. Very romantic, but in a sort of gothic, romantic way, as if this were some sort of Frankenstein that had been created by the painter. The words I was looking for here were Sturm und Drang, the so-called storm and stress concept. Although, you know, I've never heard anybody actually say that out loud. It sounds so weird. Roger that. I've read storm and stress in various places, but Sturm und Drang just sounds so much more like the way it's used in English. And the way it's used is to characterize someone's behavior as over-the-top, melodramatic. Actually, just crazy to the point of histrionics. I guess what you could call a semi-violent hissy fit. But its literary equivalent, melodrama and gothic sensibility, stuff like Frankenstein and Dracula, that's what came to define romanticism, at least for some people. And romanticism was the art and cultural movement of the late 18th and early 19th century. So when I called this painting romantic, I didn't mean the Valentine's Day business of hearts and flowers. I meant Sturm und Drang. And that's one of the reasons why, as an art movement, romanticism has always had a slightly flaky reputation. And I think undeservedly. I didn't mean to disparage this painting or the artist, but I do tend to see some Sturm und Drang in it. And this time, those intuitive connotations have a much greater impact on how this painting comes across and what it's got to say. So it turns out that this, this observation, this intuitive observation, this hypothesis mm, has some validity. There's also on, on this one side of the painting, which is to the right of Mal, but to, the, to my left, obviously, some yellowish business coming through the, the white. It makes you wonder about that as well. Is this water coming through? It does look like somebody's leaky basement. Is this water coming through or linseed oil? It's hard to say for sure. But it takes away from the concept of this being sort of a fine finished piece doesn't detract from the the overall feeling it adds to it it's it's an extra it's an extra piece so finally we're going to take a look at the the nameplate and it says Yan Pei Ming who was born in 1960 in Shanghai 
And this thing is entitled Mao from 1991. Apparently it was in the collection of the Ludwig people in 1995, or it was acquired then. So it was kind of acquired as modern art fairly early on in its life. Who the hell would want to buy this thing, though? And why would you want to buy something like this? You don't want this hanging up in your living room. Do you really value something like this in your house? Do you really value something like this? Maybe because you have a museum planned? I don't quite get it. I don't know why anybody would really want to own this. But then again, okay, this thing was created in 1991. This is not painted by someone during the rule of Mao. I don't know when Tiananmen Square happened. Possibly around 1991. So this was meant to be some sort of response, some political response. In that sense, I almost feel that it's more angry art than anything else. So I think you really need to know what I mean by angry art. I really want to dedicate an entire podcast to it. Let me just say now that I consider angry art to be any work that's produced out of a desire to express some kind of personal anger, resentment, or emotional pain. And I mean that can be it can be done consciously or unconsciously. And it's not that you can just tell when an artist is wrestling with it, but it's easy to spot the signs of it once you start looking at work this way. Anyway, that's my working definition of it. But it's also pretty consistent with what we're going to find in researching Yanpei Ming, and all of that stuff is going to go into part two of this episode. And that's that for today. Hey, be sure to check out my website, christo.art, K-R-I-S-T-O dot A-R-T, where you'll find show notes for each episode, as well as plenty of other ideas related to looking at and thinking about art.